yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Ali. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Just the two of us. Yeah, very intimate, <laughs> private, you know, podcast. Private, there's 300 people here, but, you know, relatively private. Yeah, yeah. God, uh, great to have you back to myself, Will. Uh, it's uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Look, great weekend all around. These are nice ones to come into because uh, you have so much positive stuff, considering the last couple of months have been... Yeah, fairly back to the bosom of European it's rugby, so where everything is warm and comforting, and we, you know, we always win our matches, and we're like, <laughs> it's always positive. Well, most, you know, for the well, most for part. the most part, for the most part, yeah. Look, it's been kind to us, and um, yeah, look, some great performances, and I think you know there was a, a few good reintroductions as well in terms of international guys coming back into the fold. Um, yeah, a little bit of messy stuff here and there. I was at the Leinster one myself, and um, I saw you on TV actually on BT. Yeah, this, look, I know you're the TV star these days, yeah, but a bit uh, yeah, look, different channels. So who look, are you doing with? Um, BT, but who was the who was the guy? Did you talk? I can't remember who was talking. Uh, Ross, uh, oh, the Welsh guy, Harry's, yes, Harry's, yeah. yes, Ross Harry's. Excuse me, yeah, I'm coming uh, for you, mate. Uh, nice fella, nice fella, very knowledgeable, good broadcaster, uh, good broadcaster exactly. Good broadcaster. Yeah, so uh, first time meeting him actually, he was a nice guy. Yeah, um, no, he, was, he got around. He was at the Connacht game again on Sunday. Just, he did. Yeah, he did it with Mike yeah. McCarthy thing, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, look, it was a good, good weekend. Yeah, good just weekend. first I just want to talk about, it. obviously, this is just an audio-only show, so you can't see this award <laughs> taunting me right in front of me. It's for the podcast of the year, the Journalism Wars. Alas, we were defeated by an in-house, at least we were defeated by a kind of a, a sister podcast, if you will, uh, by the Floating Voter, the You Know Politics podcast. I'm pretty bitter about it. I voiced these... Con- bit much leaving it on the desk, I know, isn't that is like in your face, Our isn't sound it? engineer, Gav, was up oh, for 50% Gav, of the awards. It? He would have been mm. up on stage and he's put it there, you know, even though we were... I think we were we the original or the Floating Voter? The Floating Voter were older, yeah. Yeah. But I thought we'd say you liked us better, or at least I did until you... 
You, you put yeah, he plays the old fake humble card very oh, well, does, doesn't he? Yeah, jeez, yeah, yeah. he was he was he was only too happy to jump out of his seat to celebrate the floating motor yeah. lads. Thanks a lot, Gav. Yeah, appreciate it. Right in the face, right in the middle of the desk. Anyway, move on. Look, it's important to uh, that we you know congratulate our colleagues, but we endeavour to win one next year. Our producer has just taken it off the desk. He wants <laughs> clearly he wants us yeah, to stop so talking we, so about we can it. Focus. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, look. So uh, that was disappointing, but look, we move on. Is there one thing next year? One more bit of how housekeeping to cover quickly before we get into the rugby and a couple of quick questions I want to ask you have you ever sent it bled blue and white taking part in the biggest amount of horseplay of all time <laughs> <laughs> the black rock the thing the black rock thing I couldn't oh, I couldn't bet this bad I <laughs> I actually feel look they're only kids like Jesus I, I mean look I think the they're uh, over the age of 18 that's uh, you're, you're oh sorry for, the the law. for uh, I'll, yeah for the I see that so I see what you're doing there yeah look uh, I thought it was hilarious, actually. To be honest with you, I've some, I've been getting a good bit of stick and work. There's a few country lads sending few, it. You know, uh, have you said sending it before? Have you ever a few sent real it? dubs? Oh, I've tr- I've I've endeavoured to. Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> don't use that language, uh, but um, look, I saw what they were doing. It looked like it was a bit of fun. Rock chance um, everywhere. Rock, rock chance. I've done that. Now I probably <laughs> kept it to the uh, to the rugby pitch, but. Um, <laughs> Look, it's a bit of crack, few lads. I'm sure everyone has moments. Do you know, do you know what it really showed me? Actually, is uh, is how damaging uh, the the camera phone has been to society. All those things went on, and no one really cared about it for years and years and years. Um, whatever your group of friends were, but obviously this one just. Uh, to be honest with you, I will say one thing that the audio note was very funny. Well, the audio the video note is the was thing. a bit like, ooh, I'm, that's a bit on the nose. I'm not sure I like that <laughs> one as much. But I look. I just thought it was a group of lads, a bit of horseplay, uh, horseplay. literally, and um, <laughs> looked like they're having a bit of fun. I wish I was there, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, so it turns out Paul Howard was just like, you know, riding real life. Oh, you know. Paul Howard will get <laughs> some mileage on that. I like, I, I honestly, I found hard to believe the story about the, the dart story that he came out with a while ago. Yeah, that sounded uh, That just, didn't sound yeah. very, but look, I, I still thought it was funny, but because yeah. uh, I think he's, fairness, he's a bit of a genius, but. Yeah. Um, Yes, he has a lots and a lots of um, information to uh, to tell his stories. Well, I think going forward. Well, just before we get into the weekend's matches in more depth, uh, just to tee up that uh, in this weekend, this weekend, Brendan Fanning from the Sunny Independent has a one-on-one interview. Joe Schmidt, they're not easy to come by. I chatted to him a little earlier, so about you know. The, Sitting down with Joe, who's been pretty, I guess, reticent to give those kind of exclusive interviews. Did he find it easy to do it within the parameters that Joe had given him? Or it sounded like it was a good, <laughs> an interesting discussion. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look, Joe's like the the one thing you have to understand with Joe. I always think is that he's he's outrageously bright. Yeah. So he has figured out all the angles. He'll have done the preparations well. He's an unbelievably hard worker. So he's probably it'd be pretty hard to catch him on a curveball. Like you see lots of these interviews now where there's like a really skilled interviewer, which of course Brendan would be, and you know, they'll ask an open question, they'll try and find you, try and let you trap yourself, try and talk your way into something. Highly unlikely that guy will do that. Yeah. Um so uh, look, I I've seen I suppose behind closed doors, those kind of things to me, I would always go in with an air of skepticism to any kind of interview because I feel like anyone who has any kind of smarts um, should be able to see the angles and prepared for the angles and will have an answer that kind of plays to the audience they're trying to, um, I suppose, capture. So, 
again, that's a very skeptical view, a very cynical view, I think. Um, but that is my honest belief on these things. So um, I don't apologize for that. Yeah, it's funny because it's kind of the reason Joe is doing this and I think he's doing maybe one, one or two others is uh, his book is obviously coming out this week. Unfortunately, he doesn't have an index, so I can't go straight to the L's to see what he said about Control you. Control F. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'd have to actually read the full thing to see if he's named you. And maybe the podcast and some sort of, you know, reflected. You know, I think you of... wouldn't give it the air to breathe. Um, so... Uh, uh, that would probably be my view on that one. You don't think it'll be mentioned at all? One of the great days, maybe, of his? I highly doubt it. Uh, I would say he's... Uh, look, look, he might. I don't know. Look, I think <laughs> I think Rory has probably a chance of getting in there. If he's, <laughs> if he's going down that route and he's settling a few scores, uh, one of our own, a, a friend of the podcast, um, a franchisee, you might even say, mm. after his j- Japanese trip, um, I'd say Rudds could get a good goal going because like, the, the team, he, like, he just got the team all the time. So yeah. <laughs> that really annoyed him for a long time. But um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. Like I, I do hope that he kind of does open up a little bit more because he doesn't have to be as guarded going forward. It, that'll be a decision he'll have to make whether he's comfortable comfortable doing that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he does, if there's any kind of, I don't know, um, any reflections post-World Cup that maybe he wasn't able to give at the time. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if there is. From what too raw, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, or any even anecdotes about maybe things that some some ins, you know how he may be prepared because I probably would have seen and lots of the guys who played under him would have seen during the you know d- different successes. Maybe did he have a different view on how the team was performing, or was there something that he did while preparing uh, for the games that was kind of interesting or something that he spot? You know, I, I'd probably be interested in that facet of it. Mm. Um, Again, with a cynical enough eye on it, but... Uh, it's, it's funny, yeah. just uh, as you're mentioning that, uh, you know the story that gets uh, you know told a lot is how he like took Brown and Driscoll down to size. You know, <laughs> that, that was your... I think you were the first person to tell that anecdote. Now, now I see it absolutely everywhere. Yeah, well, sorry, that was just a really funny one yeah. because like that took the that, that really did take the oxygen out of the room and it really set a good tone. And it was kind of funny because I still... I feel like... we've gone through this over and over again about the challenges with international rugby, the shorter windows, probably feeling like you have to rely on people that have produced for you before, which may have fed into the kind of conservatism of his uh, selections. So, and which was ended up being a problem for him um, in in the World Cup and for the team. But he kind of went away from what was a real strength. In Leinster, he did put guys under serious pressure if they didn't train during the week. Senior guys who probably would have gotten away with maybe taking a session off here and there um, with previous coaches. And he was pretty ruthless on that. He was yeah. really good. And he did select different people for different for big games um, that made other people feel the heat. So that's that'll be interesting to see if there is any kind of other anecdotes yeah. um, that would, he he has. Would um, he have had to say? Would he have done that to Johnny Sexton as well? That kind of like I, just uh, or was Johnny, Johnny was Johnny the one guy who maybe even for Joe was a bit untouchable. I don't know. You see, Mads was kind of playing pretty well for a while as well, and he had lots of options around Johnny. So I think he probably. Uh, sorry, w- sorry, as in. Mads was actually a quite a viable option for for a long period there, and he and he got on while he used to ki- he used to kill Mads in training, like kill him. Um, but he actually selected him all the time because he was very durable, uh, good kicker. Um, now he's a bit, you know, what Mads is like. He's a bit, he can be a bit wild at times. He kind of plays what he sees, but very exciting to watch and play around. And um, I think Joe probably tried to rein a little bit of that in. 
I thought he was brilliant for Mads' game, and I think Mads, uh, Ian Madigan, sorry, would 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 feel the same way about that. So he probably wasn't under as much pressure when Johnny was kind of def- definitely out, but he probably gave him a few more days than you normally would. I think that's probably normal with a ten anyway. Such a pivotal position on the pitch goes without saying. Yeah. Um, but all the tempo, all the moves, you know, he they Johnny and Joe would be very clear on how they want the game to go and I think that made it a very easy um, an easy relationship for them in that you know I think he just knew like even intuitively they they were kind of on the same page they just kind of felt the same about all the different circumstances in the game understood the calls understood where Joe would want them to call and and, and kind of really believed in Joe um, and what Joe was doing as, as look as did the rest of the team but I think that that kind of made he might have been given a little bit more leeway based on that, but I don't. I don't really think I'd have a problem with that one because I think Johnny really came into his own during that period, and probably down to maybe the importance of the position. I think the rest of us probably were treated a little bit differently, um, and probably understandably so because he had lots of other options around there. Um, but uh, maybe ten is probably a more difficult one to do that with. Yeah, well, definitely interesting to see what he says uh, in this weekend's article. And as I said, I talked to Brendan earlier. We're going to play that a little later in the show. But to go back to the weekend's action, you mentioned Johnny there. He scored, uh, you know, he got in the end of a great try when he somehow you know, like, spun out of about two Terrible or three tackles. Terrible tackle, wasn't yeah. it, Joe? Yeah, shocking. They it had made Johnny's covered. action look like John Alamu, circa <laughs> 1995. Look, he showed a great turn of pace, uh, which was good to see, um, because I think that's the key thing with a player, you know, par- barring injuries, because um, he obviously has a stated that he wants to get to the next World Cup. It's important that that pace stays. Um, I thought it was a lovely finish. Uh, lovely play by Josh van der Fleer as well. I love the, because lots of people might try and go for the white. It just shows good quality player they'll give they'll do the right thing in the right circumstance he probably could have gone for himself maybe got over the pass to Johnny it's a small point but I really like that love Johnny's turn of pace I thought it was terrible defence because they obviously had him covered up very well you'd expect the guys to finish that tackle I think it might have been even Stain who's a who's a big guy missed that tackle that was very poor you know um, from what went to being probably an offensive defensive play to being a complete soak uh, miss and then two more misses, and it was just like they're running in from fifty. Yeah, um, kind of disappointed because they kind of it was you know close-ish at that point. It wasn't they weren't completely out of touch. Yeah, it was you the would kind say Leinster had the, yeah. more of the game, yeah, but it was, um, and it was probably going to go that way. But those kind of moments really sucked the life out of the team um, in, in a game like that. And way in the RDS, like Leinster have only been beaten there. I'm going to say like four times in a hundred or something. Like it's, it's a crazy stat, isn't yeah. there? Something mad, is it? Well, they haven't lost very many. They haven't lost the European I think it was game like two, there since just after the last World Cup against Wasps. Is it two and fifty-seven at home or three and fifty-seven at home? They've lost or something like that. It's pretty impressive. Um, I think the stats, obviously not in European. I'm talking about yeah. league as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's a tough place to go. Moments like that, you know, you just can't have them. You have to be, you know, you have to be really disciplined. Your defence against Leinster, I think, nowadays. Like, even they had lots of guys that, you know, obviously Joe Tamani crying off before the game. But Rory Lachlan comes in, who I actually would probably pick ahead of Tamani anyway. Um, you know, and that back three, like all, you know, very experienced at this point. Very, very dangerous Everyone in the pack's a good carrier. The front row and 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 the second rows, Jesus, like it must. There's no re- there's no room to 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 make errors in any facet of the game against Leinster. Um, so moments like that are, are a big turning point. But good to see Johnny back in the groove. I thought there was definitely you know lots to improve on. I think they'll get better the more guys they get back in the pack. 
which probably means I get better throughout the competition. I think this this kind of period now will be about reintroducing, trying to maybe get everyone back on the same page fairly quickly because there did look like there was a few bits that were missing still. Um, Gary Ringrose, I thought of the super game. Uh, the try is obviously like look. I always leave. He, there was a f- two lovely finishes. One that one was he, a bit of a run. one he had yeah. to finish, yeah, yeah. but he was very good as well. And lots of the other guys that were reintroduced looked very good and sharp. So very positive from Leinster's perspective. I think they've lost three home games. It sounds ridiculous. Is like, it three and fifty nine or three and fifty seven or something? I think it's the last World Cup. They've only lost three home games. They lost to Wasps in the Champions Cup. Sorry, in the RDS. We're talking about the yeah, 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 in the yeah. They've lost some in the Aviv as well. Sorry, four. They lost They lost to Wasps in the Champions Cup right after the last World Cup. Then they lost to the Scarlets in the semi-final two years ago. They lost, or three years ago. They lost to Treviso two years ago. And they are, lost we, to are we doing this for last season? They're four. Yeah, when you were talking that long answer, I was just, <laughs> in my head, I was just like doing the maths. And I think that's it. I think they've lost four games of the RDS since the last World Cup. And yeah, but like it's an incredible. Sorry, yeah. the point so is, won a season. it's an incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible stat and a really difficult place to go. I'm so. sure your points are really good as well. If I was, oh, I, I had it on a stat. It was a stat from Opta. Oh, if we really want to just stop the show and go through, <laughs> we can. But uh, I don't think we can move on. I, generally, it would have been in the same kind of. Yeah, and uh, on the young players, Ronan Keller was obviously the gu- a guy a lot of people are talking about. His first European outing, were you impressed with him? Really good. Uh, good around the pitch. I thought his basics were good. Tackling looked good. He had a few big tackles as well. Um, the basics are. are going to be the key thing for him going forward he clearly is good in attack that's a that's a great thing to have you look at Sean Cronin um, you know that's that's probably who he's going to be competing with um, at the moment interesting situation for Leinster at the moment they have four guys in that position that I'm thinking they're all really really top quality uh, hookers but like how four doesn't fit into one like yeah. and look if you know you can make a good argument for the second the guy who's going to be in two which probably looks like it'll be Ronan at this stage um, behind probably Sean or it, one of those, those two will probably yeah. be starting but the other two guys are brilliant players hmm. like Tracy and Byrne you know what happens to like one of them you think at some point will have to consider getting some rugby somewhere yeah. so um, that'll be an interesting spot to watch and I wonder do any clubs if they're really looking are they are they, are they looking because those guys are class? So, yeah. um, but Ronald, to go back to the point, Ronald Keller, like it's great to see a young talent in there. Like Leinster just seem to have in the front row, particularly just so much depth there and young guys as well. Um, great job for Rob McBride to come into. Yeah, I think Ronald Keller will get captain of Six Nations. I really do. I, I just think there's a really good opportunity there for a hooker to, to emerge. Like, Niall Scanlon's a very good player, but probably hasn't grabbed his opportunity, like, nailed down to be in the 22 at an Ireland level. Obviously, there's a lot of rugby to play between now and February, but I think if Ronan Keller continues this over the, maybe the back-to-backs, if he's still involved, yeah. the Munster match on uh, around Stevens Day is always a big one to put yourself in the shop window. I think he's a very good chance to be in the squad and get a cap. Yeah, but he's got he's playing in a great pack, isn't yeah. he? So there's like he's going to get opportunities to showcase what he's it seems to be really good at, which is actually attacking. Mm. Um, you know, obviously Sean Cronin coming back could, you know, stifle that a little bit because you'd have to think they'll reintroduce him. He's the you know he was unbelievable last year for the club. Uh, obviously disappointing World Cup, but Sir Joe was never going to pick him there anyway, so that was always going to be disappointing. So no surprise there, and um, yeah, like that's going to be the challenge is getting the game time. And next up for them is Leon away. Probably the, the toughest game, arguably, they're going to have in this pool. Like, France is never an easy place to go. Leon have won 8 out of 9 in France. Albeit they were poor against Southampton. I was kind of flicking between that and the Connacht game, but they, they kind of only really got into it towards the end. Even though they do have some big names in their team, like Tua Sova has gone there from Toulon, and Nakatashi, I think, is on the other wing as well. Um, but, you know, you've played in some, you know, interesting games in France down the years. Like, just 
for people who just might like to know, like, what is that French experience like when it comes to club rugby? Because it does seem to be very special. It's very different to playing them away from home. Like if you get a good start against them when they're playing you on, on, on your ground, it's a cold day in <laughs> whatever, December or November or January, they don't, they're not always that keen. But if, if, if you get a good day um, in France, home crowd will be there, you know, out in force. They're having a good season. They're top of the of the, the uh, top, top 14, top, top couture's <laughs> uh, at the moment. They'll be a real handful. As you say, like, they've just, they've guys who can turn a game on a sixpence because of just huge men, great athletes. Um, and they play an expansive brand. Like, I think they might be the top point scorer as well. They in, put them some big yeah, lines, yeah. In, uh, in, in top couture's, as you say. Um, <laughs> So that'll be an interesting one and there'll be real challenges for that in Leinster. Like I, I would always think the key part in that now is to really try and squeeze them out of the game. A big challenge against it'll be a big French pack. Just they're always big. You have to be in top fourteen. So that's the challenge. And I would say that's the best place to take them on is in there, slow down the pace of the game. Like Leinster will think that they they they're fitter than them, and they probably are, but I think that really tells in the last 20 minutes when you're squeezing the team in tight, I think Leinster are brilliant at those phase after phase after phase in the tight. I think that's when they actually play their best rugby is when they're kind of getting pay in there and when they're breaking teams down because the key thing for Leinster, like I think the biggest strength of the team, yes, the back line is outstanding, but the pack is even better. Like, And they are like Saracens. They have guys on the bench who come on and really add value. There's no let-up against them. And uh, that, for me, is where I'd be attacking uh, Leon because, as you say, it will be the biggest challenge they have in the group. Franklin's Garden, they're going very well. Are they second in the Premiership, yeah. I think? They're, they're going well. They're attacking well. But you think Leinster should be able for them if they, you know, if the pack plays well in the back-to-backs. I, I like. I think Northampton won't get too much better than they are now. I think second is probably flattering a little bit um, in, in the Premiership, given that they weren't as affected by the uh, you know players being away at the World Cup. And you've good memories of Franklin's Gardens. I think it's the intro for our podcast. It's like number two for Luke Fitzgerald <laughs> when I'm dressed as Spencer past his legs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No good memories. Yeah, it's it's a tough place to go as well. But I, I think Leinster will have too much for them. Yeah. Um, not to you know, be disparaging or anything like that, but I just feel like they're kind of on a journey back to being one of the top clubs. Mm. Leinster are a top club and they should be looking to beat them, um, you know, by four points away from home. I would expect it to still be tight enough over there. They have, a, they, they're one of those teams in the UK that has, you know, strong supporter base like a Leicester, like, like an Exeter, like a Gloucester. They will be tough over there, but Leinster should have too much in that one. Leon is the big one now. If they get that, you'd expect Leinster to go on and top the group fairly easily. And looking at some of the other Irishers of the weekend, like the clean sweep, obviously Connacht mm. win over Montpellier though was you know a huge gut considering the injuries they had. Stinker they, of a start as well. Yeah, so they conceded a try after well, like a minute, and they also had three guys pull out kind of you know on the day the day before whatever. I'm sure the team knew, and then they got I think uh, Gallagher you know got a head knock early on, so that's another uh, you know change, and the battle their way back in. In against a team whose budget is astronomical, even though they are all, always larger to see. Almost, <laughs> they're uh, good at home though. Like, yeah, yeah they, look, they just have a massive pack. So, yeah. like, especially given that, particularly in the second row, they're having some real difficulty in in the second row uh, in terms of even just bodies available uh, in Connacht at the moment. Like, and that's a kind of a that the engine room against Montpellier is pretty important because they have just some absolute monstrous units in there. Um, so yeah, look, it was a great result. Like it, the sports fans, always gonna be tricky for mm. for a Montpellier to get yeah. up for the game. It's it we're, in the daytime. It looks so. It actually looks even worse in the day. You'd expect a bounce yeah. back as well, which is why the start was so weird. But the the uh, you'd expect a bounce back after the Leinster game last weekend. So that was always gonna be a really like Montpellier. 
they may have done some research in the game. I'd have my doubts that they did that much. Yeah. But the week before would have, like, you know, if you were looking at Connacht, you might say, oh, where were they last year? In, in the, if you're doing a quick scan, where did they finish last year in the league? How did they go last week? You know, we should beat these guys fairly handily. Like, look at the size of their budget, as you say. Mm. So, and all the injury problems. So, yeah, I, I could imagine Mopele going, ah, lovely. It, couldn't, it probably couldn't have been a worse start for them in some ways. You know, take the foot off the pedal a bit. But if they had really concentrated and focused and tried to squeeze Connacht out of that one, they should have been able to. But yeah. again, away from home, French teams, talked about Leon there. They'd be a different kettle of fish. Like, they're just... I don't know. I, I just I don't know what it is, but like I think Toulouse take it very seriously, as do Claremont. Yeah, they won in Kingsholm on Friday night. Like, that was that's a really victory, gritty yeah. win. I thought, like I know people were saying that it was you know they were poor enough, but Gloucester's a pretty tricky place to go now. They're building something good there, and um, lots of kind of endeavour in terms of who they've. Uh, you know their their signings, um, even the backroom staff. There's been big changes there, and they're really trying to build a good culture there. And they should be able to do that. As I said, they're a well-supported club. It's a tough place to go. So I thought that was a good statement of intent from Toulouse, to be honest. It's interesting that Caelan Blade would win man of the match for Connors because mm-hmm. obviously himself and Kieran Marion have been having an interesting battle to you know be the starting scrum half. And now the news today that Marion has signed, signed on, a yeah. new deal up to mm-hmm. the next World Cup because there was talk of maybe moved to Saracens, albeit that was announced. Like, literally. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to pay him with. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Working um, occasions or something. Yeah, it's no. Interesting that they're not, it sounds like they're not going to, can, can, um, or, uh, like a contest. Contest, yeah. excuse my, like, I'm obviously having a long day here. <laughs> um, they're not going to contest that ruling, which is, which is kind of interesting. And it, like, that could be the first, it like, probably couldn't have been a worse bargaining chip to have. I'd say at the time he was thinking, this would be a great bargaining chip, but obviously as it transpired, uh, not very helpful whatsoever. Uh, interesting to see now what other things kind of come out of that, like whether people have to leave next year. Um, you know, and obviously from Army and for Connacht, I think it's a great bit of business. They, like Keelan Blade, is obviously looks like he's in, um, you know, in possession of the jersey, playing well, as you said. And look, Marmion has been brilliant for for. Connor for a very long time so you'd expect that to be a real strong part of the team for it, them going it, forward it's interesting though just uh, Andy Friend was obviously asked about the potential move to Saracens and he, he was honest he was like you know you know, uh, Kieran has been dis- you know, dis- is distraught from what you know being dropped from that squad like he's really struggling to, to kind of get over it you know, you've been in positions when you were from the World Cup squad oh sorry, sorry, no, sorry no, I was going to say not yeah, the yeah. Team. I'm yeah. sure he was annoyed about that too sorry I meant the World Cup squad yeah, well, that would be really hard for it looked to like take. he was the number two for years, and then at the last second, maybe McGrath pipped ahead of him. Yeah, and like I, I would, I would say actually the Keelan Blade thing probably played a big part in that last season, as they kind of shared the jersey quite a bit. And I would have thought in some matches, Blade, uh, you know, kind of edged him out in terms of performances. I would say that really affected him, and could have affected his decision in terms of looking looking around. Like I haven't heard of him looking around before. That's not to say he wasn't, um, you know, if his agent was doing his job, he probably was, mm. but it, it really sounded like every time it was almost a formality that he was signing on with Connacht again. So, and he's been there, like, Connacht have been really good to him. Like, he's he been there was a long time now. A very long time yeah. now, yeah, yeah. No, it's in the, in the blood now. seventh season, is it? Seventh season, yeah. is it, yeah. Yeah, just good knowledge there on the, the old abacus <laughs> Use my there, fingers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's... Uh, and he's been really good, but he's been really good for them as well. Yeah. So look, I, t- I think they'll be delighted that he's staying. He's staying until twenty two, I think, isn't it? Twenty twenty three. So the next World Cup. So he's, oh, really? Twenty twenty three. Okay. Sorry, I thought I saw twenty twenty two. Anyway, yeah. Look, look, sure, that makes more sense actually. Mm. But look, great for them to get him under uh, under contract, and I think it'll 
like he's been a real heartbeat for them for a long time. And I think the, the two guys at nine go very well with Carty, who you'd expect to kind of hang around there as well. So a uh, very positive development for them at, off the back of as well a very good week in Europe and they have Toulouse uh, away next Saturday so God great fix they're the ones you want to play yeah. though isn't it like that those kind of things though will I think keep people at the club yeah. do, do you, would you feel that as well Maybe I'd like maybe not Montpellier straight into Toulouse. Maybe I don't know. See, how do you want it? Do you want to have like a good pool where you might get like? Let, like I think Connacht would prefer to be in Leinster pool than their own. Like, you know, like, I'll be at Leinster I'd say, in one seed, so obviously you can't. Yeah, have it, but yeah, like, you know yeah. I'd say everyone wants to be in that one. Yeah, yeah but um, or maybe Saracens will now that they're not going to field the proper teams. It looks yeah. like, but. Um, yeah, look, it's a tough one for them. Uh, I think the injury crisis really doesn't help. Like, I think they'd probably be they'd be really looking forward to it if they didn't have so many injuries. I think. Yeah. Because um, it's a great test, and they've actually they put it up to them a few times. They won there, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Pat Lamb's first year, I think they won there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Actually, sorry, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. And did they take the? Did they? Because they played them again. I think Miami might have scored the, the, the winning try. In that game, I actually. think they might have beaten them in the sports ground as well. Did they? I'm gonna say I'm yes. Gonna, yes, I think they did. Yeah, beat they them did in the two years ago, or three years ago. Yeah, because they had them two years in a row, didn't they? Uh, yes. In the same pool, they, they, they definitely beat them at home about two years ago. Yeah, so look, it, it, they have a bit of history there. Yeah. Like, and look, they can draw on that now. I know it's a, it's, it's a bit of go now, but and Toulouse are definitely a, you know a very different team, different coaches, etc. And, and look like they've moved on, are playing a nice brand as well. So it'll be a huge challenge, but sure, like that's what you want to play. Like that's why people like those kind of things will draw people to the sports ground it'll bring big numbers but it'll keep players like Marmion there as well you would have to think and speaking of keeping players what about Bundyaki now there's a bit of talk about his future his contract is up at the end of this season he'll be 30 in March mm -hmm. so an interesting dilemma for the IRFU who are now I think his paying masters he was on a national contract do they give him another three year deal up to the next World Cup that he'd be 33 Again, with the conversation we're having, is he going to be at the next World Cup? Possibly not. So how do they... Because he's so important for Connacht, you know, it's kind of an interesting dilemma. Like, what what, what do you think? Yeah, you, I nearly, I would nearly consider him like kind of an Issa Nasiwa of Connacht. Yeah. I think he's been really good for them. I think he'll help bring other players in as well and bring other players on. So I think he's become a very important cog down there. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, look, you've decided to, uh, what would you call it, naturalise, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah so I, I would say... Yeah, like you'd want to be keeping him now at this point. Like even if he's playing more games for Connacht, I think that adds value down there, Big and time. lots of your yeah. young players are down there as well. So you'd think someone like him would be good for them. So yeah. I'd suggest that you know, not you can't break the bank from, and there will be teams that will break the bank from because you think he's probably got two or three really good years left. But are we? Are you know? Look, there's a point where you say, look, that's actually not that's not feasible. But I would say he probably is someone where you'd say, look, if we're taking even and taking a little bit of budget, an extra budget from from Connacht, he's a really important player for them. So. You know, there's a decision to be made there and yeah. it becomes a point where it's not really tenable but I think he seems to like it then there his family are there um, and you know Galway's been very good to him as well so uh, you know I would, I would not beyond the realms of possibility that he leaves but I would I would say be leaning on that, that he'd probably be staying and, and thinking that he'll play and feature in Andy, um, Andy Farrell's squads Yeah I'd agree with that and moving on to Munster now obviously Ospreys on paper was probably one of their easier or pool fixtures, they were all. They looked like they were going to win from a good bit out, but it was that you know, get that bonus point at the very end which could be very crucial. And what is a tight pool, albeit we don't know what Saracens' intentions are just yet. But classic, more classic Munster moments like piling on at the end with a huge, you know, heave yeah. over the line. Well, we've seen that a million times. Yeah, like it was great to see. And Andrew Conway, I mean, it just looks more and more like that was you know very poor decision making not to have him in the team uh, over in uh, Japan. He was playing really well over there. He was playing well before he left. He was playing well in the games before. He's looks like he's kind of continued where he left off from the World Cup and was I mean like that was a superb finish. I mean the pace he showed 
and he just seems like a threat every week, you know, and he's getting more confident. I feel like he's showing up like all over the pitch. Um, you know that obviously that inside trail last week was a lovely bit of a bit of play, um, and the finish. For, I mean, the Lockman pass was 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 great this week. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was that was a real highlight moment. But the finish was brilliant as well. So, yeah, good to see him playing well. Good to see Munster playing well. I thought, you know, given that I, I think Kilcoyne is going to be a big like. I mean, they, I hope that calf fixes up pretty quick because he, he was, I think, one of Ireland's best performers, if not their best performer. Given he only had a you know a certain amount of exposure in terms of time on the pitch, I thought the bits that he showed he was playing and he was brilliant in the games before the World Cup as well. Every time he got to show showcase his ability, I thought he really did that and played. He looks like he's playing great rugby. So they need him back on the pitch. So it's a positive in a long, very long way. Yeah. Positive. Jeremy Lockman's playing very well, and I think as well what what was great to see is that. The ball handling ability, it's something that I've kind of harped on about Munster. I think, you know, and Tolman Park sometimes they can kind of bully teams and kind of run over the top of them in the tight. Against the big teams who won't do that on the big stages, they need to have, they need to introduce a little bit of ball playing amongst their forwards. Someone like Lockman could really add value for them there. Yeah. So, interesting to see if he can have an impact. It looks like they're trying to um, get him to stay. And they an absolutely mouth-watering fixture this weekend, wrestling in, at 5.30 in Tolman Park. Oh, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Because like, they look, I know they were playing a, a very weak in Saracens team, but they looked very sharp at certain points of that game again at, at the arena. They have a great squad, and they've got, like they've lots of guys who've good experience in. Um, Fakatau is very underrated, I think. Actually, he doesn't like. He, uh, he's a bit dodgy. He, he is he? a bit dodgy. A bit dodgy, but dodgy when, yeah. he, when, he, when he's in the mood, and he was very good at the World Cup as well. He was excellent at the World Cup, yeah. And he's a serious athlete. Like I remember he, playing at him when he was he's like, actually pretty good. I, I'm a crazy. I, like, I wouldn't. Yeah. I sometimes I think I'm crazy. <laughs> <when> I think. <laughs> Don't ask me to answer that honestly. Um, no, I, I, I. I agree. I see parts of him that I'm like, oh yeah, that was really nice. That that looked really good. But then I'm like, oh, really make like in a yeah. really good team when they have, pick him off. Yeah, I would suggest they might. And will he be there every week? Don't know. Don't know. I can't answer that yet. I haven't seen enough to yeah. to answer that with any kind of real confidence. So look, he's great when they're going forward against a team that's not playing well or not playing against big time players and playing at home. Let's see if he does it in Town Park. That's a big. That's a pretty big yeah. test for you down there, you know. So, um, interesting to see how that. that yeah, come back to me on that next. Very Tuesday. different experience yeah, in there. Look, is. they'll have a few guys I think who'll be able who'll be up for it. Interesting to see what the squad unity is like. Well, Simon um, will be starting. Oh, they have to play him. Yeah. Like it'll be going home. It'll be it'll bring a big crowd out. I, I like he's loved down there. Like people love Zebo down there, and he look he was brilliant for them as well. So I'd expect him to get a great reception. Uh, I'd expect him to actually play well as well in those conditions. So um, yeah, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. Like I, I think it's as you say, mouthwatering, and both teams I think are playing pretty well as well. So uh, like I'd, I hope that I hope Racing don't come like do one of their usuals where they just completely capitulate away from home. I don't expect them to I do that. But don't get don't get wrong. You yeah. think if those guys seem to have bedded in very well with the squad. And you think that off the back of that, you know, that uh, the team will rally around them and want to put in a big performance for them. I know it sounds like it's, it's a little bit of a subplot, but I would ex- sometimes those things really matter. So yeah. uh, I hope that that's the case. And just on the Saracens match at the weekend, you know, obviously they played that weekend team. I mean, there was a, you know, some of their bigger forward names were involved, not the English guys, but some of their other fellas, mm. like even Vincent Cock was on the bench. But in the back line in particular, he went with quite a young back line. Mark McCall has said that they might have to sacrifice Europe ultimately I still don't believe that they will because I think it'd be a bad decision yeah. do you? They, well their squad is good like, let's not pretend that their squad isn't damn good enough to compete on two fronts even with they this they did it last year they but even this we, like, they're not going to get into the playoffs in England regardless like, and they'll definitely stay up their, t- their squad is too good so I like mm. 
Is he trying to make a point? Oh, we're not actually breaking any rules. Look, we can't even compete on two fronts. Like, I don't know. What, is it a smoke screen? It would be screen? a pretty stupid thing to do. Yeah. Like, I, I would think. So, look, we'll wait and see. Could have been wrestling guys from the World Cup. Remember, they went on a few weeks longer than us. True, so, they got to the final. And so, that, that, that could have played into that decision. They might be trying to drum it up, saying, oh, you know, playing the pity card. But I'd say they were probably dictated by the uh, elite player squad, or whatever it is, EPS squad, and isn't it? E- even this weekend, yeah, it is. And even this weekend, they're at home to the Ospreys. They can play it a weekend team and win that they probably could do with a five pointer there it's the third matches in Thelman Park we'll know then if they're taking this they should they'd be crazy not to yeah. like I feel like it's the, it's the one thing they could salvage from this season is and like the, you don't know they might have to break up some of the squad so like I'd be given this is, could be their last if they win another Heineken Cup like what a, that'd be a cherry on top even if they have to break up some of the squad it'd be like an episode yeah. of Dream Team there's a mass exit yeah. at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> where's Carl Fletcher um, <laughs> he sold off yeah no I don't know I like I, I would feel like they're crazy to, to pass up the opportunity. I would say there's a really good chance. And you know, in a pressurised circumstance, you know, in a relegation battle, those players will produce for you and they'll be able to smash some of the teams yeah. if they really need to. So, look, if it comes to that, like, you obviously want to hit the ground running, but if it comes to that, they know they can produce. And they've done it. Like, it's way harder to produce when, you know, in a winning culture, when there's desperation involved and you're playing for your job, you'd have to think those players will play better. Yeah, and it just, it just opens the tournament up in a really interesting way if they do end up kind of sacking the tournament I think it'd be terrible I really think it'd be really I nearly would say it'd be bad form actually yeah well we'll I'd finish on that no I don't have anything else to say I do think it'd be bad because I think as I said like I think it would be stupid first of all because they can win the thing and they could salvage something from the season and they'd be in the competition next year yeah and I also think that like it'd be bad form because like look they've done something wrong here but you can't ruin a whole competition like these these guys should have been what are they second or third seed probably um, after Len- Lens are top seed are they? Well it's everyone is kind of in one band it's like the top five. Oh, is it okay yeah, sorry yeah. So they're, they're in the seeds. top yeah, yeah. yeah so like they're that for your one of the top seeds to not really be putting out full teams would be very bad yeah. form I think and lastly before we wrap up Ulster had a good win at the wreck it wasn't the most you know it wasn't maybe the greatest performance, but it was a very important win to get with Claremont coming this Friday. Uh, Jacob Stockdale with the match-saving interception. Brilliant. I was yeah. delighted because he was so bad against uh, the All Blacks. So it was great to see. And uh, do you know what? Funnily enough, the bit I preferred was actually the bit before. <laughs> His angle was right. It was the first time I've seen him not go for an intercept. The guy got the ball away, but it was perfect defence. Um, and then obviously the chase back. Look, it's a, it's a... If you're not chasing back in that circumstance, there's a bigger issue. Um, you know, if you're not wanting it, if you're if it's a crucial part in the game, away from home against Bath, Heineken Cup, and you're not chasing back to intercept that, I'd I'd actually I'd go through him to be honest with you. But what I did like was the proper defence the the moment before. I was just thinking his angle is right, uh, his timing was good. Now he didn't maybe wrap the arms, but it was a really it was an excellent bit of defence. And um, I was delighted for him because it, it, I, like we crucified him and rightly so. He was really bad against you seeing like because partly I the reason I, I didn't like I just didn't like some of the antics as well. I remember when he knocked down the ball and he was kind of laughing and smiling about it. I was like that should have been a yellow card at the start of the match, which would have really made things even worse. But like it was, he was just all over the place, yeah. you know, and didn't look focused. Didn't look like he had really considered the defensive part, like because it's such a big part against New Zealand. Um, you know, obviously he hadn't done his research for the George Bridge, like this, you know, the George Bridge break. I know it was all bad defence prior to that, but there was lots of things that were really bad. And I suppose my frustration with him is that I feel like everyone's kind of jumped on the bandwagon 
and he he's I feel like maybe he's kind of believed it a little bit because no one's pulling him up in Ulster. Well, but I, I, it's really important that he develops the defensive part of his game. He's a huge man. He's a brilliant athlete. He's definitely a smart footballer. We can see that from how he is going forward. If he does the defensive bit right, he could be one of the greats. Because what the you know in the year of his ascent when Ireland were winning all around him, like I remember you made a couple of comments on the podcast about his defence as well, and you got crucified by some of his Ulster teammates. Well, everyone thinks it's jealousy. Yeah, like, like, I was like, oh, my time is well over, yeah. like well over. Seriously, like it's like ancient history at this stage. I looking at it going, okay, if I was playing against him. What would I be like? That's that's, and I'm, I'm like, what would I think if I was sitting down doing my analysis? And that's always the basis on which I'm judging players on the podcast as a player. Like, why else would I be here? You'd rather have a journalist here because they're more polished. You're, I'm in here because you want to have someone who's sat down in front of a video and assessed other players and teams or listened to great coaches and picked up lots of things throughout the journey that can give you some insight as to what people are thinking. I'm looking at that part of his game saying, well, he's brilliant at this. He should be, an, he could be an all-time great. He could be one of the all-time greats in an Irish jersey in an even a world context. He's brilliant going forward. I'm looking at the defence a bit going, oh, I'd love to play him. I would love to play against him. With Johnny Sexton at 10, we'd rip him apart. Do you know that kind of way? Because I'm thinking, oh, his positioning's wrong. He's going to go for an intercept. I know if I hang out here, I'm in this position. He's going to bite. In the go- I, I just know all the opportunities he's going yeah. to provide me. And that was what I was basing on. I was thinking, against a good team, he's going to get picked off if no one's pulling him up and training on this stuff or in the media. Um, so that was kind of what I was thinking on it, you know. So I'm glad in a long, but a very long wind away again, to see that he was, he, he was getting the stuff right. He needs to keep on it. Every week, it's just got to be a base for him. You yeah. just got to produce that every single week. Wouldn't worry about the the intercept bit. That was just, look, you'd expect people to be trying their best in the last moment of the game. The bit before was really good. Stuck to the rules, you know, didn't look for an intercept, you know, made the right decision. It was good play by Bath. But sometimes you're just, that. that's what's dictated. Like if you're the last person on the line, which you are on the wing oftentimes, that's what you have to do. Sometimes it's not the perfect decision. You just have to, you know, play the balance of probabilities they perform well. He got back in the game and saved the day, but the bit before was really good. Yeah, and just before we wrap up, maybe get some predictions for the Irish teams this weekend. Obviously, Jacob Stockdale will be in action on Friday night. Ulster at home to Claremont, and that win away in Bath uh, really opens up the pool, especially if they can back it up this week because they have Harlequins in the back-to-back. Mm. A good team, not a great team. So if they win this game on Friday, they're in a very strong position, but do you think they can? I think they can. I think they're going to win. Uh, I think they might, yeah. I yeah. hope the weather's bad for them, but... Um, I think uh, they'd be really up for it. I think Jack McGrath, I'm not sure what his story is. I think he's out. I think he's out as yeah. well. And uh, that could be a big loss for them, you know, with the big pack, you know, French pack. He won a good season veteran in there. That could be a bit of a loss. Marty Moore looks like he's playing well. It's good to see. Um, pack going well. You know, they have the carriers to do it. I think Jack could be a loss, but they have a good kicker. Cooney's playing well. He's kicking well. Um, in the big games, he's proved he can, he can kick well. I could see it being a tight one up there. And I think they might edge it. Yeah, I think Ulster might edge that one. And then we have an absolutely unbelievable three games in a row on Saturday, starting with Toulouse Connacht at one o'clock. You're not. You will not budge from the couch. Oh, I can't wait. You're Myself and my couch have become one one entity. <laughs> kind of a symbiotic. I can imagine kind of you having a sleepover on Friday night, man. <laughs> Tent in the living room. Well, this is what you missed out on when you were playing. Like all these like triple headers on Saturdays, but in the glory days when you were in school, oh, unbelievable. Jesus. But it starts off with Toulouse Connacht. Um, a game you know we kind of teed up earlier, but. Think to lose will have yeah. too much for them. You'd have look, I, I, I feel yeah, like I'm really boring with these ones. Yeah. I never, I look, I just go, well, who do I think is a better team? I think to lose, yeah. so to lose. And Leon Lancer, three o'clock. 
I think Leinster will win that as well. Yeah, I do think they're a better team. I think if factored into my decision is how good French teams are at home and how well they're playing. Their tails will be up. They'll have a big crowd out. I still think Leinster should have enough. Yeah. yeah, Leinster should have enough on that one. And the last one of the weekend, the probably the biggest one is on Munster, Rassing and Tom Park. Uh, I'd have Saturday to say Munster. I, don't, I think Rassing are a better team than Munster. Sorry, literally just as I have my little rules and I'm <laughs> breaking them already. I, Munster, again, factoring the decision, they're just so good at home. Mm. They're so, so good at home. I, do, I feel like it'll be a really, really tight one because I think that, you know, Rassing will rally around their guys. Uh, Finn Russell, I think, has played there enough. He's in the league, played against Munster enough that I think he won't be completely overawed by the occasion as long as he's playing of course um, Pack can be difficult for Munster to handle but they should have enough at home so I'm going to go Munster Well it's absolutely mouth-watering of a weekend we have coming up Luke thanks so much for joining me Thank you William And now a little earlier I mentioned that Joe Schmidt interview that Brendan Fanning did that you can read this weekend um, I started by asking Brendan how much preparation he did and how excited he was to finally get a one-on-one with the great Joe Schmidt It's been an interesting week for you obviously you have a Big interview this weekend coming with the man I think everyone wants to hear from. Certainly in a one-on-one capacity, we have heard from him, but he doesn't grant an audience with one journalist very often. You were looking to sit down with him. Um, like, you know, you, pre- you prepare for all your interviews, I'm sure, extremely thoughtfully, but when you get an opportunity one-on-one with someone that you probably want to talk to for quite some time in a private setting, it must be a bit more of an interesting preparation. Okay, I'll be perfectly honest. I wouldn't have been going absolutely mad to sit down in a one-on-one setting with Joe because okay. Joe is extremely guarded and he's he's pretty controlling. Mm. And uh, I would have found him uh, professional and courteous and helpful and massively knowledgeable, but not that giving over the years. So I wasn't living from moment to moment wondering <laughs> when is my next one-on-one yeah, with Joe Schmidt. And the only reason that this interview took place is because he's flogging his book. So that's what it was about. Yeah. Um, so I had to read the book in a hurry. And <laughs> did that, and I was interested in his demeanour, and I was intrigued, Will, as to uh, where he'd be at mentally. Uh, it's a few weeks now since the World Cup, and I just wondered to what degree the recovery process had taken place. And he was in pretty good nick, I have yeah. to tell you. He, he, as ever, he looked well. He looked better now than he has recently because he looked so stressed. He looked stress-free when we sat down a couple of days ago. And uh, was, you know, I think his ego was mended to some degree by the number of offers that he got in quick time, like not long after. Well, he referred to it himself, you know, just come in the airport. He so, did, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, like I said to him, I don't believe for a moment that you're you're not going to be back coaching your your missus will turf you out of the house just to get rid of you because mm-hmm. you'd be driving her insane so I mean he laughed at that and he didn't say, oh no, that's a terrible thing to say. Of course I will be yeah. out of rugby for the next. I, th- I think he, 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 the plan was to kind of stay out of it until next June. So if he gets to June, I'd say he'd be doing well. Yeah, so because we're trying to strike a balance here between promoting this piece but not giving away all the good stuff either. It's kind of like one of those RT late late interviews and they grab <laughs> someone in. They, they want to you know to promote the brand. So uh, you know what can you tell us about? I guess the way he was he was looking at the World Cup was he. You know, did he self-reflect on maybe things that he'd got wrong himself? Was he still kind of treating it with, I thought, a bit of distance when he spoke immediately afterwards? He wasn't really kind of pointing the finger inwardly, I didn't think, from what I heard right after the tournament. Yeah, no, there hasn't been a, a, a revelatory yeah. uh, series of moments where he said, oh my God, I've got everything arseways, mm, yeah. and how can I possibly make amends? Some of the stuff I agree with, some of the stuff I wouldn't, the stuff I, I can't see him ever backtracking on is the style of play, really, and he he still manages to justify that. Um, 
I, th- I th- one one thing I would have written subsequent to that, and uh, now I have to hold my hand up. I wasn't writing this before the tournament, hmm. but maybe the four year cycle is 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 not something we should be married to anymore. Yeah, you want a two and two. I read that was a good. Yeah, yeah and, and that's what Erasmus did. Yeah, uh, and you know maybe maybe that is the way to go. I remember a colleague of mine saying a good few years ago. Now he was saying this at a time when tests weren't quite as plentiful as they are currently, but that test matches are such a big deal that you should just be focusing on the next test test match and you pick the best team you have for that game and you don't think about anything thereafter. That was probably in the days of maybe six or seven games at most a year. Now pretty much everyone is playing, or the tier ones are all playing the round dozen. So inevitably some other aspects come into it. But uh, yeah, I think he, he would, and, and I'll write about this at the weekend, um, yeah, I, I think he would probably have come round to the idea that let's not look too far forward I know it's boring Will yeah. and, uh, you know and you know it's not quite the next each game as it comes yeah. quote but it's not far off it. and without getting kind of too kind of journalism-y nerdy like you know when you mentioned at the start that you maybe weren't jumping for joy to you know sit down with him again but when you did sit down with him were you kind of Analyzing his body language, as you kind of said, were you like looking for every anything to see to see what he's like, his frame there, of mind? Look, there, there were certainly some awkward moments. In yeah, it. Um, definitely. Yeah, and he looked distinctly uncomfortable at times um, when we were discussing aspects of the book. Yeah, uh, and I think he probably had to pinch himself and say, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm doing this to promote the book, so I can't really, you know, get Tell up you and say, off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he has to crack on. Yeah, and I, I wasn't actively trying to take advantage of that yeah. but nevertheless uh, we discussed bits and bobs that I thought needed to be discussed yeah. and um, he was pretty engaging uh, and comfortable on some very uncomfortable on others um, you know he's, he's he's a very interesting bloke uh, you know him you know how controlling he is and he's not mad about when you say that but it is the truth I mean yeah. all, all coaches no matter what level you're at are control freaks to some degree and Joe is right up the top of the tree so his his freakery is substantial yeah and you've covered you know a number of Irish rugby coaches is he unique in that regard is he far, not even unique is he far away and above any of the other ones in that regard Eddie O'Sullivan was um, Eddie O'Sullivan dotted every any I or T across every NET that he could find Declan Kidney wouldn't have been I think Declan Kidney probably invested more in those around him but I think both Eddie and Joe were more self-contained and were, were very keen to make sure that while there are a lot of moving parts in it, every one of them was moving in the right direction. And was there any talk of the man who will succeed him? A wee bit. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. You well, know. it's funny. At the, at the end of the interview, when, when we were discussing that whole, um, th- that cycle of yeah. two years versus four years, and we mentioned the importance of the Six Nations, um, and because somebody had been saying to me, "Oh, Ireland rugby's in a desperate state," I said, "Well, not really." I said, "If you try and go to Lansdowne Road in February for the start of the Six Nations, you'll be battling to get a ticket. It'll be it'll be sold out. It always is. That's not going to change in the near future." And uh, he he started, he started mentioning the fixtures like we've Scotland and Wales. For, we it was the first person <laughs> yeah. plural. We have this and we have that, and that that that, that was the. These are the fixtures of when we won the Six Nations in 2014. This was exactly the same start, and it's all wee, wee, wee. So, 
Yeah, because it's funny you mention that because obviously he, he's staying in Dublin for the foreseeable, isn't he? That's his plan. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it reminds me of when Bill Shankly relinquished the reins of Liverpool and was like, you know, still hovering around Liverpool and he was still looming so large. The players were still kind of half thinking he was still the manager. Like if Joe, you know, we this, we that, he's going to still be in Dublin, might be at the games. It'll be an interesting dynamic going with the Six Nations. No, you're dead right. And that, and that it will be interesting because he'll need to pick and choose his games. For example, I asked him had he gone to a game at the weekend and he hadn't because he was going to uh, fetch up to the RDS and then decided, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I won't. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not suggesting he'll be going uh, uh, incognito, yeah. but, but, but coaches need to be very careful. When, you, when your contract is up, your contract is up. And while you may have an abiding interest in what happens, uh, you need to keep a, a measure of distance. And did you find that you learned new things from being, you know, having that time, I guess, when just the two of you privately, you know, having him having stepped away? Did you, did you feel like you learned more about him now that you didn't know before? Or was it just kind of a good conversation whereby you teased out some stuff that you maybe thought you knew? It was a good conversation. We teased stuff out. The more technical it got, obviously, the more I would get out of my depth because he is uber technical. Yeah. Um, was he trying to kind of bombard you with maybe technical Oh, yeah. Stuff? And yeah. that would be part of Joe's MO. Yeah. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, he has he has ammo prepared already to justify the way Ireland played and, and, and certain things. And he would hit you with a stat and you could think, OK, I can go back and spend the next three hours unearthing the info to yeah. confirm or deny yeah. that stat. But given that he was probably up at five o'clock in the morning putting it together, there's a decent chance that the stat is accurate. And was it more, was, was your kind of thought process that you want to focus on the World Cup picking through that or was it, let's focus on the totality of his reign or can you separate the two? Well, I, I was more, I was absolutely more interested in the totality yeah. and I was interested in Joe the man and yeah. where he came from uh, and that, that whole story. And plus, obviously, I was interested in the World Cup and the way it ended and I was interested in how he was recovering after because I remember, you know, the, the, the previous disasters were, were different in nature. I always found that the 2007 one with Eddie O'Sullivan was the most toxic by a distance. And I vividly remember the the scene in Paris when it was all wrapping up. And if you remember, that was just before the crash. So there was a lot of lads with too much money having gone on, on that World Cup. Loads of Wonga, you know, there, <laughs> there, there, was, a, there was a whole laddish thing mm. to the supporters. And our expectations are very, very high. And then we ended up getting our asses kicked. And the, the there was a there was a level of vitriol after that that I haven't didn't experience. 2011, it, it was disappointing when we got beaten by Wales and Wellington, but there was none of the backlash that you would have got in 2007. And 2015 was reasonably critical of Joe, but only moderately so. Um, I think it was more in praise of the Arties and the quality of rugby they played in in the quarterfinal, and also the recognition that. We needed a deeper squad, so the policy of homegrowns, if you leave the country, you're not going to be playing for Ireland. Personally, I agreed with it 100%. I thought it made absolute sense, both from a provincial point of view and from an Irish point of view. And just so that, before we wrap up, is there anything else you think would be worth knowing ahead of people maybe you know picking up a paper or going online and reading the piece at the weekend? Like, Is there anything you think worth kind of teeing up or, or, or letting them yeah, know? Yeah, I, I, I think... Um, I think Joe, who Joe is and where he came from and um, his work ethic and his endless energy and his perfectionism, uh, I, I, I thought we, we got into that a little bit. Mm. And uh, I, f- I found that what he did and didn't have to say on that, I found very interesting. And very last question, because I've been asking a few guys we've had in the studio, what will his next job be? 
Oh, well, I, I did ask him. Yeah. Um, I said, are Claremont leading the charge? Claremont, yeah, that's my tip as well. <laughs> yeah, well, but he started, he started, he laughed out loud yeah. and he said, oh, look, you know, I've had a couple of offers and it's Joe being Joe, mm. didn't commit. And I think, don't think he has to commit. Yeah. Um, he can he can let it slide for a moment. I mean, the good news for him was that, unlike Eddie O'Sullivan in 2007, who was gone, his contract ran up until the end of the Six Nations in 2008, at which stage he was turfed. Um, the, 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 the World Cup was damaging for Joe to a degree, but I could absolutely imagine how lots of clubs, or indeed countries around the world, and coincidentally Japan, who have gone and re-signed uh, Jamie Joseph, mm. would have been one of them, um, would be queuing up for what he has to offer. Yeah. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting read this weekend, Brendan. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for coming in. Cheers, no problem. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing in association with Ali. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the European action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening, and goodbye. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 in the store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.